Hello and welcome to episode number 48 of The Heart of Teaching. I'm Nathan Rivers, and today's episode is entitled, Coaching and Cursing. If you know anybody in the community that's making a difference, send us a DM on Instagram. We'll shout them out on an upcoming episode and explain their impact on the community. In this episode, we would like to recognize Miss Rose Astorino of St. Thomas More Collegiate in Burnaby, BC. She has been an outstanding educator, mentor, and colleague for all those who have been fortunate enough to have her as a teacher, and more importantly, a friend. Her smile and positive attitude is infectious. Ms. Astorino continues to be in our prayers on a daily basis as she continues to overcome her health challenges. We miss you, and we look forward to the day when you return. If you haven't done so already, be sure to follow us on Instagram. The link to do so is available in the episode description. The Heart of Teaching proudly supports Mom Stop the Harm. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome back to The Heart of Teaching. I'm Dave Ruzicki with my friend and producer, technical advisor, grade 12 student, Nathan Rivers, and thank you for joining us today. You know, when doing these podcasts, I think it's so important for you, the listener, to, to understand that that information and that advice that I provide for you related to my career, you know, close to, to 40 years, isn't because I've been a, a flawless instructor or a coach, but rather the amount of information, a ton of information that I've learned about teaching and working with young adults and others. And I'm honest, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest here. It's been a work in progress for me and it continues to be a work in progress. I'm always learning. I've been flawed at times, I've made mistakes, but I've been passionate enough and resilient enough about my profession to learn from them and to ensure that you know those mistakes that I've made make me become a better teacher and a better coach. I, you know what, I, I sometimes get tired of some of the experts when I listen to them and they always seem to have the right answers for things. And I actually wonder if they've ever stumbled at any point. And for me, the, the lecturers that make and have the most impact are the ones that teach me about some of the mistakes that they made and the lessons that they learned along the way that could actually help me. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you've got a prof in university. I, I've had this years ago. And uh, the prof in university is telling you what you need to do in that classroom. But in fact, that prof hasn't been in the classroom for decades. So that prof's got lots of book smarts, but not a lot of street smarts. So in today's lesson, I'm going to teach you about some street smarts that I learned. And the street smarts I learned several years back about coaching, teaching, and my philosophy and what I needed to do to improve as a result of being a guest coach at a Southern California high school, again, years back. And, you know, it helped reinforce some of the values I had, but once again, it showed me that I needed to do better. Now, once again, I was uh, invited to coach in Southern California, and I was thrilled to have this opportunity. Now, the practices were late in the evening because of the heat, and so when I actually rolled into the parking lot of this high school, it was probably around 7 p.m., and there were tons of cars, but two cars stood out for me, and they were all painted. They were immaculate. They were incredible, and uh, they actually they, they looked like show cars, and they had their windows rolled up, and the windows were tinted, 
and uh, they were actually like low riders. And what a low rider means is that the suspension is lowered and it's like right over the wheels, right over the chassis. And uh, I'll tell you, don't hit any bumps with those cars because it'll do uh, some major damage. But anyways, one of the windows rolled down and I sort of flashed a glance in the direction of the kids driving it. One of the boys, the driver, stared back at me and then he didn't say anything. He just rolled up his window again. And I headed to practice. Now, I was introduced uh, to the rest of the coaching staff and the head coach introduced me to the players and he said I was uh, this Canadian coach. Boys all like that. Uh, the boys called me Coach Dave out of respect, which is interesting because here up in Canada, it's usually like Coach Riziki. And I learned that in their community, that Coach Riziki was a kind of a more of a distant term. And if they called me Coach Dave, that meant that I was actually one of them and I was part of the program. And a lot of the a lot of the young men on this team were Hispanic, and was and that was some of the things they did with respect to how they addressed those that they respected. So I watched this practice, and uh, when I started watching the practice at first, this is when I got my first lesson. You see, one of the receivers was bolting down the field after just a great catch, and he was heading towards the, the end zone, and he somehow he fumbled the ball mid stride. And when he did that, a defender jumped on it and recovered it. Now, the receiver screams out as loud as he, he can. He goes, ah, sugar. And then the defender jumps up. He's holding on to the football. And he tells him, next time you better squeeze the flipping ball. And they both jog back, excuse me, they both jog back to their like respective huddles. Now, in the offensive huddle, one of the coaches said to him, he goes, what the heck just happened? And he goes, next time, focus on the darn ball. And I kind of realized all of a sudden that sugar had replaced the S-bomb. And flippin' had replaced the notorious F-bomb. And heck replaced hell, and darn replaced damn. And I asked the assistant coach when I was watching this practice, I said, does anyone ever curse at practice? He kind of smiled at me, and uh, he said to me, he goes, you got that right, he goes... Uh, we don't swear. He goes, we don't curse. He goes, players and coaches. And then went on. I said, is this like a, a religious thing? And again, it was Hispanic and a lot of Catholic. And, and he turned to me and he said, coach, he says, it's not so much a religious thing. It's is a life thing. Now, I'm not going to pretend I was a choir boy when I played the game years back. Now, you know what? I used my share of offensive language, so I'm not going to be a hypocrite. You know, however, when coaching... I usually kept all of the, you know, the, the bad language in check. I was known to drop the occasional S-bomb and say hell and damn at practice. And I'm not proud of it, but throughout my career, probably a handful of times, I actually dropped the F-bomb as well. And has some of my, some of my, uh, my coaching staff as well. But in this program, with over 100 kids on the field, not one foul word was heard. Now that coach went on to explain that he honestly didn't believe any of his players would ever be recruited by any major college football team. But he did say they would be recruited and they would have an opportunity to join some of the local street gangs in the area. And he said to me, he goes, did you see uh, two beautiful low riders in the parking lot? And I said, I did. And I said, you know, the ones that were really painted out and they had the really nice spinners and stuff on them. I said, yeah. He said, those are gang kids. He says, and they're waiting for our boys. He said, they're waiting for one big kid who can't handle the discipline and the work ethic that we're trying to instill on this field. 
They're waiting for that one big kid to leave this practice field and join them because they're going to welcome them with open arms, guaranteed. And if we can teach our boys to be disciplined and work through adversity and not start screaming and cursing when life knocks them down, then they have a better chance of staying in school and staying away from those street gangs who are going to use them and eventually harm them. And he went on to say it was about courage, courage to stay in school when things got tough, and also respecting those that were trying to give them life lessons and support them. He said that that coaching staff, and you know, there's probably about 18 coaches on that field, they all kept their stuff together as well. It was a common philosophy. Because he said, how could you model what you're expecting from the kids if you lost your stuff during these practices and during the games? And we had a great conversation. And you know, he reaffirmed how as teachers and as coaches and mentors, we set that bar, right? The kids will imitate what they see and hear once they respect those who are working with them. Now, before that practice ended, uh, all the boys came together and they were all taking a knee and, and the head coach was talking to them. And he made a very important point, and I remember it. He said that, he said this to the boys, he said, you men, you men are an extension of who all of these coaches are. Our values are now your values. Never, ever embarrass us in a game, in that classroom, or on this practice field, or at home by acting like someone who hasn't been coached and taught by this family. Now, when I watch these young men listen to their football coach talk at the end of this practice, I could tell by their focus and their concentration that they all got it. They got what he was saying. But probably more importantly, they'd all bought in. Now, when we were walking off that football field that night, that head coach said to me, and he said, you know what, Dave, you probably already know this. He said, but it doesn't matter if you're in the classroom, whether you're coaching football, basketball, baseball, or any other sport. He said, our goal, like ultimately our goal, should be to create a culture and mindset to ensure that these kids take the values taught by their teachers and their coaches and use it, not just in the classroom or on this field, but in the real world. In, all, in order to move forward successfully in life and not make bad decisions. You know, since that opportunity for me in Southern California, when I came back, I did better. I never swore again on a football field, nor will I, nor will any of my staff members, nor will any of those boys that play football for me. And I explained to them the lessons that I learned in Southern California. And I, I talked to the kids about what I learned in, in Southern California and reaffirmed the concept that they're an extension of myself and, and my coaching staff and that we all need to focus on being the best version of ourselves that we can on the field, in the classroom, and on the streets. Now, make no mistake about it, whether we want to admit it or not, as coaches and as teachers, those students that we work with, they'll model what they see. Now, it's great for me to say all this stuff with regard to modeling, but I can guarantee you, again, as coaches and as teachers, we need to ensure that we walk this talk. Now, when the going gets tough, what ends up happening is you see people sometimes lose their stuff. Can't do that. There's a saying that adversity builds character. I don't so much believe that as adversity reveals character. And the kids are going to watch the coaching staff and teachers and they know when a teacher is able to control themselves and all the eyes are on us. So make no mistake about it, we are modeling. And as teachers and coaches, I believe that we've got that ability and the responsibility to teach our kids to be the best versions of themselves they can possibly be. 
And as that coach said to his players in Southern California, ultimately, those people that we're working with, those young adults, they're an extension of our own values. They represent the things that we believe in. Make no mistake about it. This is Dave Rizicki with Nathan Rivers. Thanks so much for listening. Please take care, be well, and as always, peace. Peace.